0: Hello, Cachimbonas. I'm really excited to be bringing you this episode 14 of season 5 of Radio Cachimbona. Radio Cachimbona is an abolitionist podcast that audio archives state repression and fierce migrant resistance in the southern Arizona borderlands and breaks down case law and politics from a leftist perspective. As a first-generation professional whose parents are Salvadoran immigrants, Yvette prioritizes uplifting the voices and histories of Central Americans. On this episode, I interview Irma Garcia to discuss the effects of Texas's abortion ban, SB8. Irma Garcia is the client service manager who leads abortion access work at Jane's Due Process, a nonprofit dedicated to ensuring Texas teens have access to abortion care. Nina explains, the lengths that people living in Texas must go to obtain abortion care in light of SB8, criticizes the twisted logic around the restrictions to abortion directed at minors, and breaks down how these obstacles affect poor women in rural areas the most. If you would like to support the podcast, you can become a Patreon for 5 to $10 a month. You can get... Exclusive access to the lit reviews and early access to episodes like these. Non-monetary way to support the podcast that is still super, super helpful is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts and just sharing with whoever you think will enjoy this episode. You can follow at Radio Gachimbona on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can follow along to read more of my legal analysis in Balls and Strikes at Eva Borja AZ on Twitter is where I publish my articles. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope you enjoy. I'm very excited to have Irma of Jane's Due Process here to talk about what has been happening on the ground in Texas now that SCOTUS has essentially nullified the right to abortion care through its various decisions in SB8. And before we get started, I just wanted to introduce you all to who Irma is and what she does. Irma leads the abortion access work at Jane's Due Process, where she directly helps Texas teens, including undocumented and unaccompanied minors in ORR detention, navigating the judicial bypass process for an abortion. And prior to joining the JDP team, she graduated from the University of Texas at Austin and was a sexual health and abortion counselor at a local Austin clinic, as well as a birth doula. She is a strong local and national voice with a professional background in acknowledging and centering sexuality and reproductive justice issues in marginalized communities. Edma is also the creator behind Dirty South Sex Ed, an Instagram platform focused on democratizing sex ed information to cultivate a culture of pleasure and wellness without stigma. She believes that when Black, Indigenous, and other people of color experience pleasure on their own terms, it's an act of protest, but most importantly, self care. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Idma, for coming onto the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you all for having me.
0: Great. And um, just so you know, I was in Austin this past MLK weekend and absolutely fell in love with it.
1: Yeah, most people do. <laughs>
0: It was a vibe for sure. I guess I just wanted to, for so my podcast does focus on Arizona issues, but Texas is our neighbor and truly this restriction on abortion care in Texas is something that implicates abortion rights for everybody ultimately. So I wanted to start by asking if you could give us an idea of how abortion care has been restricted ever since the SB8 case went up to the Supreme Court and that they didn't um, they didn't stop the law from going into effect.
1: Well, since September 1st, um, S- that SBA has been in effect. Texans that seek abortion services have been either having to confirm that they are under six weeks or a um, pregnancy has more heartbeat in order to access abortion services in Texas. And if not, they either have to go out of state to access those services. And then there are a lot of folks who are stuck having to continue their pregnancy because they do not have the means to be able to travel. While there are a lot of abortion funds and organizations committed to helping Texans travel out of state, there are other barriers that they find themselves trying to uh, jump over such as like childcare, being able to take off from work, for example, with our young for the young people that we serve at James Due process, it's more about being able to step away from the supervision of their parents. Um, when usually, if most folks remember, if they lived in a house where their parents were really strict, or they were always making sure they were home and stuff like that, it's not really easy to step away to go to another state to get an abortion. So at the moment, unfortunately, you have a lot of Texans frustrated and irritated with its government in regards to not being able to access abortion services in their own state. And that in and of itself is having a triple effect with the surrounding states where now um, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Colorado, Louisiana, Arkansas just all neighboring states are having an influx of um, people coming in from Texas and now they are overwhelmed. So, yeah, it's a a lot.
0: Yeah. Is there any way to know numbers about how many people haven't gotten an abortion because of this case? I know that it's kind of difficult to prove a negative. Um, It's kind of, you know, it's kind of difficult to tally up numbers of people who didn't go to the abortion clinic. But is there any way that you all try and keep track of that? Or are you collecting anecdotes to communicate that this is happening? Or how are you collecting data on this, if you are?
1: Every organization is collecting data differently. With James New Process, we have our own system where, based on how many intakes we get from the hotline, for folks who want to get a judicial bypass, <clears throat> that's essentially how we know how many minors in Texas are seeking an abortion but at the end of the day we won't always have an accurate representation of what that is because there are some folks that don't always call us or don't always go through with the process or get their phones taken up which happens a lot with my cases where we will probably get an initial call from them to start the process but then later on they'll go this and it can be for many reasons whether they decide to not go through with the process anymore to change their mind or in the past a lot of the time their parents find out and take up their phones
0: but besides that's so back, crazy yeah I mean, because if you think about that, it it's like they're so young and someone has total control over them so they are getting their phone taken away and then but it's like they're being told that they're too young to have autonomy over the decision of getting abortion and it's yeah it's it's just it's a catch twenty two for teenagers who are in really strict households absolutely.
1: so to go back to your question about how we're collecting data basically through the hotline that we're seeing those numbers. but like you said it's it's not a full representation of what it's looking like
0: right. I also think that there must be so much fear, especially for minors and I think that there's so many people that would be intimidated of even trying to find Jane's due process, and I think absolutely. there's people that are probably self selecting out of the process that we don't yet know about
1: absolutely one hundred percent. There have definitely been folks that will call our hotline just to ask like if abortion is legal before they actually decide to do an intake or if like like just get more information to confirm that we're not a scam <laughs> because we do advertise that we pay for everything and that. We'll, we'll take care of them. But it's, it's kind of hard to believe. So we definitely get those calls, those initial calls, just asking basic questions like that. And then it's not always certain if we'll hear back from them or not.
0: Can you so for minors, there's a special process for getting an abortion, you've called it the judicial bypass process. So could you outline a little bit more specifically about what a minor has to go through in order to get an abortion and what the twisted logic behind that is? Absolutely. So in
1: the state of Texas, in order for a minor to get an abortion, they have to obtain parental consent or guardian consent. And if they do not have that, they then would have to ask the judge in their county for consent essentially and it is up to that judge to approve or deny the young person's request and if they get approved they get paperwork from the courthouse that says basically that they are for lack of better terms allowed to have the abortion without their parents consent slash knowing and that is paperwork that the clinic needs in order to perform the abortion if the person gets denied, they have the option to appeal. However, under SB8, they don't really have the time for that because it can take a while. So we always... Why does SB8 affect the timeline? <clears throat> so in order to have an abortion under SB8, to have... every Texan has to be under six weeks. Yeah, and but that's we...
0: virtually impossible, right? Like nobody can meet that anyway? Exactly. so by the time people find out that
1: they're pregnant period it's around four weeks closer to five yeah and the requirements to have an abortion in general in texas is first you have to complete a consultation Mm -hmm. with the doctor who's going to perform the abortion and wait 24 hours And then go back to the clinic to have the abortion. But that also is dependent on the clinic schedule. If the same doctor that saw you for the consultation will be there after those 24 hours to perform the abortion, and if not, you'll have to redo the consultation with the doctor that will be there when you can come back. And then for minors, in like after the consultation, they have to actually go to court. So they still have to prep, get their appointment with the judge show up to the courthouse or to the hearing virtually um to get that done and then if it gets approved get that paperwork and then go to the clinic to get the abortion but if it gets denied there's a whole appeal process that goes through that but again like I said earlier if it with um SB8 that's not really possible and it's Something that we have not seen at all, actually. Mostly everyone, if anyone ever got denied under SBA, it, we just help them go to New Mexico if that mm. was um, possible for them. That, that would technically be the only other option since by the time that the appeal goes through, they would be past six weeks and no longer eligible to get the abortion in Texas. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, does Jane's due process provide abortions directly? Like, are you all a clinic?
1: No, we are not a clinic. We are a nonprofit organization that basically helps young people navigate parental consent laws and confidentially access abortion and birth control through our network of attorneys and case management, just my role, basically.
0: Yeah. So are abortion providers actually just, they're, they are abiding by this law. They're refusing people who come to them after six weeks of pregnancy.
1: Uh so abortion so like the clinics and doctors, yeah. So like if you are past six weeks, they can't do anything by law. Under law,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's it's just so incredibly frustrating to think about all this because it's like I just don't understand so what are the criteria that that judges use in order to determine if somebody deserves an abortion, for example? Like the yeah. logic is so twisted to me because it's like they're trying to figure out if they're mature enough to, to decide to have the abortion. But it's like if you – the answer to that question is no, then – they also they but they definitely shouldn't be allowed to parent the child then, right? Like you, like <laughs> going forward with the abortion or sorry, going forward with the pregnancy with for a person who's been deemed too immature to make a decision about their reproductive autonomy seems like a bad idea, right? I uh, so, yeah. yeah. So like what are the criteria that judges look for and like yeah. what are their bases for denying
1: so, everything you said, like you would assume that that's like, like common sense, right? And it's, it always boggles everyone's mind that it's like, no, yeah, unfortunately, Texas politicians will definitely do their own thing when it comes to bodily autonomy. But basically, they have to prove two things under the parental consent laws um, in Texas it's either that they are well informed and mature, or that They are basically in danger if they were to disclose that they are pregnant and want an abortion to their parents. Mm -hmm. For the most part, everyone goes to their hearing. And and so basically everyone uses like the first portion of I'm trying to prove that I'm well-informed and mature versus my life is in danger. That's usually a little easier to
0: prove anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a terrifying thought. Right, but there's and so many blame facts that show that this teenager is in danger. And while
1: the well-informed part can be easy to to quote-unquote prove, it's just basically studying, you know, how the abortion procedure works, where the pills, what they they have to basically study the women's right to know booklet, which is a book that was compiled by legislatures about how pregnancy works and stuff like that, which is pretty funny because instead of medical professionals creating that it was literally politicians. Um, And all of the facts in there are pretty skewed. So they have to study that. And when I prep them for their hearing, I the language that I use is basically like, think of it as another test that you're studying for. And it's more of like an abortion slash sex ed type of test where you Mm -hmm. have where the judge is going to ask you these questions about, okay, tell me how the abortion procedure works. All right. What are the side effects slash risks? Do you know what birth control is? Which birth control method have you looked into? So questions like that. And then there, the other piece is proving that you're mature, which is more frustrating to to about because you would assume that if, a young person is seeking an abortion. They've already thought about it. They've already done everything they need to. Just yeah. by going through this process, is, no, is exactly maturity enough to prove yeah. that, like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty mature. But unfortunately, that is not how judges. Some judges work, and it's not always enough. So it has happened in the past where judges will say, "Sorry, not mature enough. Your application is denied."
0: right and that's what i was saying earlier that's what kills me it's like okay well so you're saying they're too immature to make this decision about an abortion so you want them to continue the pregnancy and become a parent and then have to make this even larger decision about keeping the kid or adoption and that you're kind of implying that they're mature enough for that but not for the abortion it just makes no sense
1: yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Um, and you would, like I said, you would think it's common sense, but it's not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we we mentioned ORR Detentions, the uh, Office of Refugee Resettlement, um, and they are in charge of detaining kids instead of ICE. Um which isn't really good news. I mean, it's still deplorable to be detaining kids in jails and regardless of who's doing it. And I wanted to know if you all were involved in the lawsuit of the young woman who, Jane was it Jane Rowe? Jane Rowe, that was in OR detention, was seeking an abortion.
1: If we were involved?
0: yeah
1: oh that was us
0: okay 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 <laughs> so can you tell us about that yeah i believe that was 2018 mm-hmm.
1: uh when when it happened there was a minor in or our detention who was seeking abortion services and ORR was basically for lack of better terms just saying that they could not that they would not do like like, op- like offer transportation or like do what was needed to support her getting an abortion that it was okay for her to get a, a, an abortion if she wanted to but that they specifically were not going to do anything to to help with that does that make sense so when is yeah. in ORR detention how are they going to get to the abortion clinic if they are in well the they're
0: in t- jail place? yeah
1: <laughs> they have to get transportation there and essentially mm-hmm. ORR is basically responsible of like transporting
0: mm-hmm.
1: a person to whatever medical appointments they have that they need. And essentially they were basically refusing to do that. And so, which would, which was then also delaying the young person's care. And from there, the young person's attorney also was able to get a team of JDP lawyers with, to help with the appeal and all of that. But then it also kept getting more delayed and more delayed. So at that point, it got taken all the way up to the Supreme Court for that young person to be able to get her abortion. And she eventually did. It took a while, but the case basically helped um, cement the fact that ORR, that ORR's responsibility to provide the necessary needs for a young person to get their abortion is is required so from now on they basically as soon as a young person even just voices a concern of wanting an abortion they are required to contact us so that we can begin that process and they are required to provide the transportation and then once the attorney needs to speak with the young person to let that attorney in and like just basically make sure that all of that is in place, versus refusing like last time with the case that went to the Supreme Court. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. So the the change from the lawsuit was that now there's a policy where if there's a child or if there's a teenager in OR detention that wants an abortion, then you all are contacted, or an organization like you all is contacted.
1: Right. So, ORR in text. So basically.
0: Or in Texas, kind of.
1: All of the minors in Texas that are in ORR detention and are seeking abortion services called ORR is required to call a process.
0: And how around how many people have you helped since that 2018 decision?
1: Um, how many ORR children? Yeah, teenagers, yeah. I don't have an exact number, but they are not our top demographic. Mm-hmm. They it, it, it may become one every other month, but we, we still do it. it. We still help. And even under SBA, thankfully, they're still calling us. But at this point, not many are under six weeks. So not many oh, are under wow. their abortion infected anyway. So they have to get transferred to them
0: the state. Oh, my God. That is so fucking dark. Yeah. Yeah, because like they're the most vulnerable population, I think, in this right. situation. Yeah, right. Right. And I I remember at, like kind of the one of the maneuvers that Jane Doe's lawyers made in her case, which is that the D.C. Circuit rejected the government's request to put a hold on the order to allow Jane Doe to get an abortion and the Trump administration, like they took a few days. No, they, they like waited a day to appeal to the Supreme court, even though they could have appealed immediately. And it was in that day lapse that Jane Doe was able to get her abortion. Mm -hmm. And just in the nick of time.
1: Yeah. It, it, it truly was. <laughs> oh my gosh, the the stories that Jane's go through, it, they're truly mind-boggling. Yeah, like I I would want to say like courageous and inspiring, but at the end of the day, it's also like why do they have to be inspired? Like I wish they didn't have to go
0: through that period. Right, right. No, and just the mental anguish that you go through. I mean, she she is she must have been going through so much not knowing ultimately what was gonna happen and to be saved in a holiday a moment in the eleventh hour is good but stressful as hell. Truly, truly. Yeah. So I know that you also so I know Texas, you know, is constantly on its anti abortion game and SBA isn't the only thing that it's done to try and restrict abortion. You've written about the Texas COVID-19 abortion ban. Can you tell us about that? So when the pandemic started,
1: oh my gosh, my brain is mush now since the pandemic started. So I'm like thinking back like what when did it start like 2020 2020
0: 2020. i remember 2019 those were the good days
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah my brain is mushed now where i feel like i don't know what time is anymore i forget like i forget what day it is like of the week it's just all jumbled it's all jumbled together but um yeah so in 2020 in april in texas there was basically a governor like the, the governor basically said. Only I can't remember the language he used, but basically non-essential surgeries were not going to be able to be had during that time frame, right? And mm-hmm. abortion was obviously included in that list of non-essential procedures, mm-hmm. uh, like surgical procedures. And that in and of itself was was wild because getting an abortion is time sensitive. So it's absolutely essential. And and that is where you see a lot of the the social media strategizing behind the word essential, that abortion Mm -hmm. is essential, abortion is time sensitive. So it's something that is required to be had immediately whenever that person is seeking that service. So that was in, in April and thankfully... Texas attorneys, pro-choice Texas attorneys appealed and took a lot of going back and forth until it was slashed down and people were able to get their abortions again after like a month and a half of fighting. So it, it truly was a month and a half of, of people having to wait to be able to get their abortion while, um, because there, there was still no limit on Gestational age, like the, the limit was mm-hmm. weeks. So people could technically ish wait, but at the same time, like that's a lot of anguish and anxiety that you're putting yeah. on people to wait for something that they could get like quickly. And also like the more you wait for an abortion, like while the risk is low, the risk still increases. Price increases. And so you like like nothing gets better when someone is waiting just waiting for them to get the abortion so right. a and a half was was very stressful for texans seeking abortion services
0: yeah and so the COVID 19 so this is kind of another example of COVID 19 and being used for nefarious purposes like you mentioned how this there's this twisting of what is what surgeries are considered essential and which aren't and the pulse so the policy was about avoiding spread of COVID-19 and so canceling non-essential quote-unquote abortion, uh, abortions. But really what that does is it ultimately does exacerbate the COVID risk because as we've said time and again, it, even if you try and restrict access to abortion, you're not going to stop people from trying to get abortions. And so, you're, what people are going to do is they're going to leave the state, as you've been saying, and that travel like that out of state ultimately is increasing COVID risk. Exactly. And that was
1: a big point that we were, make, we were trying to make during that time that people need to be able to, act, uh, in general, people need to be able to access the health care they need in their own zip code, in their own state. Because there's this other layer of while, like, even before SB8, when people were able to access abortion for 22 weeks in Texas, that was mainly only in urban areas like Houston, Austin,
0: Dallas, bigger
1: cities, right? And And Texas is
0: huge. So there's a lot of people who don't live in those cities and that have to travel hours to get to those places. Exactly. That was exactly what I was about
1: to get to, where... Um, you have folks in rural areas not being able to access those services. So there's that, that huge barrier that was already in place. And now at SB8, where they're definitely not going to be able to travel. And then but before SB8, there was a COVID ban. So if they were already having to travel to just another city. Having to travel to a whole other state requires more money, more time. Um, having to take off from work. and increasing the risk of contracting covid so the layers of risk just continue to pile up
0: yeah so something else i wanted to talk about is um the effect that these various laws sb8 and the covid ban on abortion have had on clinics have either of these laws caused clinics to close
1: not necessarily permanently. But during the time that it began, like when the COVID ban first was implemented, most clinics had to close down for a little bit to figure out what they were going to do to strategize. And they did the same whenever SB8 went to effect as well in order to strategize. And eventually, many of them opened up, but it it took a while before that.
0: And so now that they've opened up, they're d- now they're only taking patients that have that whose pregnancies haven't passed the six week mark
1: right or that there's no heartbeat so oh. remember that there's still a consultation that has to be had mm-hmm. so everyone comes in for their consultation and everyone gets told at their consultation if they are still eligible or not to get the abortion and that is basically when you find out wow
0: last thing that i wanted to ask you about was your creating dirty south sex ed what made you want to start that
1: that story is is long but in a nutshell um, my own personal lived experiences as well as like my academic background i've always had a passion for sexual and reproductive health but meshing that with my lived experiences of growing up in a religious and culturally conservative environment And then meshing that with my professional experiences of witnessing communities that have been historically marginalized go through one, all of these restrictions, but two, like being historically discriminated against getting this information of sexual health, so wanting to just democratize that information because not a lot of folks in marginalized communities have that medical literacy that's needed to navigate Mm the medical world so yeah
0: and none of this is taught in schools either i mean you're supplementing what should you're providing what should be provided in school you know in public schools
1: exactly and texas has it's own like has a whole other beast when it comes to sex ed And so basically witnessing all of that in my professional experiences, I decided to create this Instagram platform just to be able to push the information out there so that it's accessible to absolutely everyone from teens to young adults, to parents, to older people. And it was well it was very well received and since then it's grown a whole lot and it just goes to show yeah. that a lot of Texans are yearning and in need of this inf- of sexual health information because mm-hmm. who doesn't want to live and need a healthy life so
0: yeah yeah definitely that's and you it's clear that you have a big following you have like 14,000 followers on Instagram so there's obviously an audience for this yeah. Who <laughs> doesn't like to talk about sex too? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're doing a really amazing job of destigmatizing it because a lot of people really don't like talking about sex, even with people, even with their friends, you know? Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, I, I definitely have this hope that one day we can talk about sex as Comfortably and easily, as we talk about other hobbies and the way we talk about the foods we like and right, right, <laughs> watch. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that normalization of sex that you're doing through your platform. You mentioned the heartbeat ban. Is that the where the ultrasound requirement comes in, or is that different? Or can, can so, you explain both of those things?
1: So SBA, uh like it, one of its nicknames, is the heartbeat bill because essentially. The authors of the bill are saying that people shouldn't be able to have an abortion if there's a heartbeat. So, if someone goes to their consultation and is under six weeks, but there's a a heart pulse, like like if there's a quote-unquote heartbeat, they are still technically not eligible for an abortion.
0: What is is that junk science? Does that actually happen? Do you that you can hear the heartbeat? It's not a heartbeat, it's
1: more of an electrical tone, (laughs) but like a pulse. But um, that's the language that the authors used.
0: And wait, so if on the ultrasound you can hear the pulse, you can't get an abortion?
1: That's part of the law.
0: Do people get denied on that basis often?
1: I don't know if often, but it does happen. Um, Wow. With our with our clients with their genes, mm-hmm. uh, not like this week. I had someone who was supposed to get their abortion on a specific day, but she was still able. She was still six weeks, like, like barely about to be six weeks, and was not able to get it because there was a heartbeat. Oh, sorry. <gasps> because there was
0: what? Oh, there's the the pulse, right?
1: Yeah, it's very confusing. There's a lot of layers. It's it's confusing. Oh yes, just as much as you are. No, I'm just
0: feeling. Well, I just feel sorry for the abortion clinic. uh, Sorry, the abortion providers because they probably don't agree with that, right? And they're like, "What the fuck?" But they, but they also would face legal liability if they were to go through with that, right? And that's why they wouldn't. Because I'm like, if I was an abortion provider, I'd be like, "Fuck this," but. (laughs) <laughs> but i'd have to consider I'm the legal liability everybody
1: an abortion. you get an abortion you get an abortion <laughs> truly but um shout everybody <laughs> yeah the here's the other it, it's a very nuanced situation the thing is right. uh, there's not that many clinics left in texas anymore um, yeah
0: there's 20 according to you all
1: exactly and there were a lot more before that but like Every single ban or restriction that Mm -hmm. Texas adds every lunch session, Mm -hmm. Um, like another clinic, it's it's like another fairy loses its wings. It's just like every single time you have less and less clinics existing in Texas to provide these services for its people. So the few that are standing have to move very carefully in order to quote unquote stay alive in a very hostile political environment
0: yeah it's it's shocking to think about what young Janes have to go through in order to get abortion care well yes
1: for sure I always talk to my friends and uh, sometimes I I even mention it to them to, to Janes themselves that like I I'm very proud of them and I am always inspired and motivated by them because they are so courageous and so bold to be able to go through this entire process to get an abortion because I know the way that I grew up and the type of mom that I had I would have never had anybody get away with it and that just oh yeah definitely and, and and I'm and I would consider myself a very like bold and adventurous and free spirit type of person but at the end mm-hmm. of the day as a young person i still had so many barriers that i would have yeah had gone through that i didn't that i wouldn't even have bothered i'm like i know for sure i wouldn't have been able to get an abortion <laughs> Fuck and, and, it, we and, having
0: this baby then i guess
1: <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I'm something out. But, No, i'm
0: joking but it's actually like fucking horrific
1: exactly super horrific but at the end of but but what i'm trying to say is that it just goes to show how amazing these things are. Yeah. And it's not that they are put through this obstacle course of shit.
0: My language. <laughs> no, it's okay. You can swear this isn't NPR. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I well, I really appreciate the work that you all do in educating people about the nuances because It is, you know, it's a fucked up landscape, but there are these little loopholes and it is important for people to know that. Like, I really appreciate that in the Instagram graphics that you sent me, you all clarify that while abortion providers can be sued, which is like still very horrific and obviously is um, going to have a chilling effect, Jane's themselves can't get sued, which I would imagine is a very would be a big preoccupation for a teenager thinking about doing this. And also there's even no one,
1: just to clarify, no one, the the person getting the abortion cannot get sued.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So, Adult seeking abortion or young people seeking abortion services are not going to be the ones getting sued.
0: True. It's both Jane's and adults. Just nobody getting an abortion can get sued.
1: It's technically just the people that are helping you get an abortion.
0: Right. Right. And also even like the the 24 hour mandatory waiting period also has a loophole where if you live more than 100 miles from the nearest abortion clinic, then there's an exception where you only have to wait two hours after the ultrasound to get an abortion. And these are just like in the weeds things that if you all weren't advertising on Instagram, people would not know. And it's, it's so important that you all are doing it. So I think those are all the questions that I had, but did we miss anything?
1: No, I think, well, <laughs> I have been talking about this for months now that it's yeah. like I feel like I'm just like, on autopilot, just talking about SB8.
0: I know you have all the talking points already. Just
1: boop, boop, boop. Yeah, so, so in my head, I'm just like, <laughs> I think I covered everything. I hope I did, but. I'm sure your your audience will ask more questions and we can definitely address those.
0: For sure. For sure. I guess the last the one thing that I don't, that we've kind of touched on but didn't explicitly say is that texas law prohibits private and public insurance companies from covering abortion care so even if you have health insurance it won't be covered and getting an abortion is as a result like totally self-funded and that's kind of the that's the importance of jane's due process and so many of these nonprofits that are providing support right it is uh, filling in those monetary gaps for people
1: abortion funds right Yeah, yeah yeah so um for those that don't know, um, if you need financial assistance to um, get an abortion, there are abortion organizations called abortion funds that help those in need to 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 assist in paying for their abortion. Usually, it's not fully; they're usually just small vouchers, or not 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 always small, but like just vouchers that go towards the final cost, so that the person seeking the abortion can pay the absolute minimum if possible. So you have the National Abortion Fund, which is the big fund that helps most people reduce the cost. And then you have your local abortion funds in your area, which you can basically Google depending on where you live, just who is my local abortion fund. And the ones in your area should pop up. And those would be the ones that you would call to ask for financial assistance. And then they send a little bit of money to the clinic that goes towards your final cost. So again, you can pay the minimum. And then that dreams due process, every young person that we help get a judicial bypass or go out of state, we cover all of their expenses. That's from the abortion procedure, and if they go to another state, we pay for their flight, we pay for their hotel, for whoever goes with them as well. And um, if they do go, if they do stay in state and need transportation, we pay for that lift or they need gas money, we'll do that. So we try to accommodate all needs based on what they tell us. Right. That makes sense.
0: No, that totally makes sense. I mean, everyone is in a different financial situation and- different things are feasible for different people so I really love that you all are providing individualized help for anyone that needs an abortion in Texas and just truly just want to say I'm grateful for your work because it's it's a bleak time to be somebody that believes in choice uh,
1: absolutely truly
0: <laughs> so to end this on a slightly more positive note um, I wanted to end by <laughs> What is something in your life that is bringing you joy or that is nourishing you right now?
1: Oh, I am actually in a new like city.
0: What city? So,
1: so I moved to New York City.
0: What? <laughs> Wait, but you're still with James due process?
1: Yes, we work. Okay,
0: around you work. So, around. Okay, cool, cool, so cool. So
1: we can work from anywhere. and Awesome. Um, I went through a lot last year, um, in my personal life. So, mm-hmm. so I moved to New York uh, in October. Okay, kind of have like a fresh start, right. and it was always a dream of mine to live here. Mm. And now that I can live here and still work with the, in my personal opinion, the best organization in the world. Love um, it i i'm i'm definitely in, enjoying like like that brings me joy being able to experience a new city i'm i'm a very like i was saying earlier i'm a very adventurous person so being able to experience um new adventures and my community has always brought me so much joy mm-hmm. they are always they they are my angels and then i'm a very artistic person so being able to work on my own like designs and stuff like that like is, is, is amazing so that is what i would say brings me joy at the moment
0: <laughs> i love that and it sounds like new york is the perfect place for you i hope you have many many amazing adventures there
1: thank you i hope so too
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay well in I loved having you on the podcast and like you said if any of the kachimbonas have follow-up questions feel free to email them to me and we can hop on a podcast again soon
1: yeah part to baby <laughs> yeah
0: okay thank you so much inma have a great day
1: you as well bye-bye
0: bye